Broderick Jones and Dan Moore Jr. is going to be one of the biggest camp battles of the Steelers training camp next month. But to talk about that, I'm Chris Carter, your host Locked on, of the Locked on Steelers podcast. we got Jim Wexel on the show. I want to get his insight on that and a lot of other things on the Locked on Steelers podcast. Let's get into it. You are Locked on Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find this show on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you see it on YouTube and you enjoy it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all your daily Monday through Friday episodes as well as our bonus content. We thank you for making the Locked On Steelers podcast your first listen every day because we're your team every day. And as I said before, we have Jim Wexel. Coming on the show, you know Jim Wexley from 24-7 Sports. He's covered a lot of different things over the years. Jim's been covering the Steelers for decades. Brings a lot of, uh, of, of, well, of wisdom and expertise in his time covered. Jim, welcome back to the show, my friend. In theory, I bring a lot of wisdom. I mean, you <laughs> add up all those years and you figure you, he should have something. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate you having me on, brother. Absolutely. You can find his his work at 24-7 uh, Pittsburgh Sports. You can also check out his his latest book, On the Clock, the Pittsburgh Steelers in the, in the NFL Draft, inside the, the NFL Draft with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and also his book on Troy Polamalu, all found at jimwexel.com. Go check all that great stuff out there. Jim, I want to get to you about something that everyone's going to be talking about, especially this time next month when we're about like six days before the Steelers report to training camp, and that's going to be Broderick Jones and Dan Moore Jr. There's people that think that Broderick Jones needs to start day one. There's people that think Dan Moore Jr. needs to start the first four games because you get Joey Bosa, Miles Garrett, Max Crosby. You're getting a whole bunch of talented edge rushers who will be coming at our rookie in his first few games in the NFL. Where do you stand on how these two guys have approached this and who you think is going to get that first opportunity uh, to kind of handle their business at the start of the season? You know, some 28 years ago when I was in your shoes, Chris, Mm-hmm. As a young reporter covering the team, I covered Alan Fanica, first-round mm-hmm. draft pick. Why is he not starting on day one? Why is he not in the lineup? I must have grilled uh, Kent Stevenson, the offensive line coach, every week. He just got so tired, I answered. And, and Fanica eventually, I forget, sixth week, something like that. But this is that was a guard, and that was a Hall of Fame guard. Mm-hmm. Leon Searcy didn't play at all uh, his first year. I, I don't see it happening. Now, Marquise Pouncey played. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he started the, He started at center right away. It was a, a, a beaten down position in the center, and he was a really good center. Mm-hmm. And Dave DeCastro started the opening day. And he. we all know he fell in the draft. I think there was a lot of top 10 talk with him. And he was out of Stanford, really smart. So those are two really smart players. I, I, I don't know if Broderick Jones has that kind of intellect. But, um, you know, he's got a guy in front of him who started for two years going into his third year. I heard Ben Roethlisberger raving about Dan Moore on his uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the coach, the coaching staff, uh, uh, Pat Meyer, w- was pretty much saying the same things about Dan Moore. It's not mm-hmm. going to be easy for Broderick Jones. It's going to be easy for the coaching staff to say, man, these kids still making too many mistakes. It's not like Pouncey. When Pouncey was making mistakes, it was like, well, we can overcome those mistakes by doing this. Right. They're just going to look at 
Broderick can say he's not ready yet. I, that's mm. just my feeling. Uh, you know, I'm not an O-line guru, so I don't know how good they looked in pa- and in uh, shorts. I, I yeah, can't. There's no way to tell, even for I, the O-line. I can't, yeah, I couldn't even fathom any kind of guess. All I know is Dan Moore is in great shape, mm-hmm. and he's got a great attitude. He's playing a little bit at right tackle, and that's leading some people into believing that those few reps he's getting a practice at right tackle uh, are, are are paving the way for the coaches to make a move. I just think it's getting a backup right tackle ready in case something happens. So, uh, you know, they, they, they probably figured that would be the move. If, 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 if Dan Moore goes down, Broderick takes left tackle. If Mm -hmm. Chukes goes down, Dan Moore moves over Broderick Jones plays left tackle. So Broderick Jones looks like he's the number three guy. LaRaven Clark is more experienced, but Mm -hmm. it looks like they've made the decision. That's how I read Broderick Jones getting a few reps at right tackle. That's my read of it. I could be wrong. Interesting. I I look at Broderick Jones and I think, you know, this is a young kid. I wonder how, what's the margin between him? And and this isn't a question to say we will know the answer to this right now, but the question will be how, how much can he close the margin between him and Dan Moore Jr.? Like if it's, if it's marginally close, like if we're if we're talking about, you know, Dan Moore's maybe a step ahead of him, you know, in training camp, you know, you wonder that the if, you wonder if Broderick Jones gets the opportunity there being the young first round draft pick. But the other thing here, Jim, is it's not so easy to just close that gap. That's that's saying like Broderick Jones will have to come in and do some Marquise Pouncey rookie type of stuff, which isn't something that happens every year. It's going to be about what kind of mistake. Um potential potential for mistakes it's going to be about brain power when mm-hmm. the coaches have confidence that he's not going to bust on a play and that's going to you know how coaches are man yeah <laughs> it's going to take it's going to take a while and if Dan Moore does well then it's going to take a, a longer while you know Leon Searcy didn't play at all his first year behind Tunch Ilkin Tunch mm-hmm. was 34 all he had better than Leon Searcy was his brains, and that's what all coaches seem to care about. You know, mm-hmm. they they don't want mistakes, especially rookies. You know what? What was it? The Parcells say every rookie it starts, you lose two games or something. Something. Yeah. There's yeah. Some no, kind yeah. Of, yeah. There's some kind of coaching axiom out there about <laughs> rookies and and number of losses. You can add it up at the beginning of the year. So no, no. I I don't I know agree. that it's going to be you know. You could look at Broderick Jones and say he's a better athlete right now, mm-hmm. but it's going to be all about understanding his assignments. Right. And, and I think it's even more prevalent at left tackle than it is, like you were saying, with Marquise Pouncey at, at center or Alan Fanica at, at guard. Not that those positions are important, but the left tackle position, in many respects, you are kind of on your own unless people assign extra blockers to go help you out there. And you're protecting your franchise quarterback or they, the person they hope they think will be their franchise quarterback, Kenny Pickett. But you're protecting his blind side. And this is a guy who they can't afford him getting hit like he was last yeah. year. They need him to stand up right. That, that's that's it. Getting the quarterback injured is the the worry at left tackle. But man, you played guard, didn't you? Yes, I did. <laughs> you, you 
Well, you're 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 not going to put down guards for their lack of intelligence, then I think, because they've got a lot of work to do in the interior. There's a lot of thinking going on inside. There's a lot of thinking. Maybe maybe you just had it so easy. You you were so you were so naturally smart that it didn't it didn't seem like it was taxing you. But there's a lot of thinking in the interior, and Marquis Pouncey had his hands full making the calls and things like that. Certainly. And, and, but, and part of that thing in the interior though, is also communicated with everyone else and get them, getting them on the right. same page. But right. one thing that I remember as a guard, if I messed up back in order, I had my man, Nick Camberlingo at center. I remember my David Yancey at right tackle. I have, I have backup, but at, at, at left tackle, man, sometimes you might not have backup. Sometimes no, they, they'll probably put Isaac Siomalo over there and he'll be, uh, an asset. He'll, he'll be someone that can help him out and keep him in line. But that's where I do think, like you say, um, you know, Dan Moore Jr., his experience is going to be a factor there because not only does he does you know is is he more used to, it, but he knows what the calls are, he knows what mistakes to avoid, and he's gonna be able to kind of get in with the flow a lot quicker than Broderick Jones. But I think a big question, like you were saying, things we couldn't see in in OTAs and minicamp when it's just football in shorts and just guys moving around practicing steps. How hard do these guys hit? How well do they take on different edge rushers? Like if Alex Highsmith, who Dan Moore Jr., Alex Highsmith like wrecked him all his rookie season. But then last year, Dan Moore Jr. was given a little give back. There was a little bit of give and take there in, in the training camp practices. I'll be intrigued to see Alex Highsmith and all the Steelers edge rushers going up against Broderick Jones and the difference we see and how he handles them in his first year. Uh don't don't get me wrong he'll get a lot of work at camp and every mm-hmm. time he gets first team reps there are going to be questions asked to the coaching staff about is now the time is now the time is it now after a preseason <laughs> game if more gives up a sack is it now then oh, yeah. everybody will forget about it because they'll get tired of the coach saying the same thing and then game five it'll happen when nobody even asks about it or, or worries about it anymore you know mm-hmm. i agree but i mean heck you, you could you can see the the opening a couple of pass rushers. I think you, you referenced it. Uh, you know, the, that's on the coach's mind. They'll, they'll tell us it's not, but it's definitely going to be on the coach's mind. I, my gut tells me that they've already decided Dan Moore is going to play those first two games and mm. then, you know, take it from there. I, that's just my hunch. I hear you on that. I want to switch the topics to an, to something that was brought up on ESPN on the Steelers linebackers and how that could be a bigger problem than maybe we've let on about. But we'll get to that in just a minute here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Stick with us with Jim Wexel. We'll be right back in a sec. But first, I want to talk to you guys about FanDuel Sportsbook. Now, FanDuel Sportsbook is the number one sportsbook in America. You could go, go right on that now with Major League Baseball in full swing. There's no better place to get on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And right now, they're, they're giving new customers what's called a no-sweat first bet, which means up to $1,000 back in bonus bets that you receive if your first bet doesn't hit when you sign up at FanDuel.com slash on today to claim your no-sweat first bet. And all this can be done on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Don't miss your shot on a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you change back or change when you join FanDuel today go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up make every moment more with FanDuel an official major par- partner of Major League Baseball Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Jim Wexler of 24-7 Sports. Jim, want to talk to you about something that was brought up, and I think it's very reasonable to bring up because it's something we've talked about a little bit here on this show and 
probably probably in other other places as well. You you've written about it, but the Steelers linebacker situation, and this was brought up by Mina Kimes on ESPN when she was discussing the Pittsburgh Steelers and what she thinks of them. She said she thinks that the defense is really talented. Alex Highsmith really emerged last year as a as a really good combo with T.J. Watt. She likes the secondary with Mika Fitzpatrick, Patrick Peterson, Joey Porter Jr. But her hangup, like most people when they look at this roster, is are the linebackers. She says my concern, frankly, it's been a concern is ever since Ryan. Cesar left, but it was, she says, you look at the depth chart and that's what stands out to her is that the middle of the defense is an issue and it could become an issue in run defense and in coverage. She doesn't necessarily believe in Cole Holcomb and the land and Roberts holding down that spot. Now, Jim, I think she has a point here, especially when it comes to the coverage aspect of that, but I, and we have we haven't seen them in the black and gold do it, but we have seen those guys, I think be proficient run stuffers on their previous teams um, and I think that, yes, in coverage, that's going to be an issue. But I actually think this Steelers team, it could be it could turn into a really tough run defending team this year, even better than it was last year when it was adapting to Devin Bush, you know, kind of being who he was and Larry Ogunjobi starting the year hurt and kind of playing hurt throughout the year. I think that th- that could actually be the strength of this team. Uh, but coverage certainly would be an issue. Well, coverage, uh, you know, Keanu Neal will take half of that off the mm-hmm. plate uh, uh, in theory. I haven't seen him yet as a as a, a linebacker, but uh, he's mm-hmm. going to be that third safety. And, you know, they, they're going to work that a lot. They love that. Mm-hmm. And they got the guy. And he, if you look at the stats, he is Terrell Edmonds. It's the same, mm. the same thing. Both of them lack playmaking skills. Both of them are physical tacklers. Uh, Terrell has been more durable. So anyway, that's that. Uh, as far as the inside linebackers, you know, it's it's not a new problem. I, I know Devin was part of the problem, but so was Joe Schobert. Mm-hmm. So was Miles Jack. I mean, I, I thought Miles Jack played pretty well, but he wasn't the answer. Uh, right. He didn't satisfy the coaches. And each each year, it seems like there's a new pairing since, as you mentioned, Shazier's been down. So um, it's not a new problem, and it's not a surprise that a national reporter would pick it up. Uh, we here in Pittsburgh have, have been wary of it. I mean, especially those of us like you and I have watched practice every day, mm-hmm. and Cole Holcomb wasn't practicing. Yeah. But I tell you, I, I, I caught him in a, in a huddle with um, – Patrick Peterson and Minka Fitzpatrick. And it was a, it was a passionate conversation. There was nodding, there was listening, there was talking, there was discussion, there was fingers, you know, not, 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 not angry. They were, they were in a a discussion about getting things done in coverage. I asked Mm. him after he said, you know, that's one of the big uh, underestimations of inside linebacker play is dealing with the back seven and coordinating the back seven in coverage he, and Ed, this was like the second day of OTAs they were doing this. He said, I, 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 this is important to me. I want to get this down. Minka understands my point. Peterson understands my point. So, I mean, there was, there's your three. That, that's your brain trust back there. That, that's, mm-hmm. Those are your boys. And to see them already working together and communicating and getting their act together. And Cole, Cole was, he, he was, he's more nervous about this. <clears throat> Sorry about that. You're fine. He's more, he's more nervous about this because he's not practicing. Mm. So, you know, he's, he's, we're really working hard to get the mental aspect of it down and the coverage. 
Uh, so there's that. But yes, it's going to be an issue. Uh, you know, inside linebackers are supposed to be easy to find, right? Mm-hmm. Like running backs. You're yeah. not supposed to draft these guys in the first round. But man. But it's tough to find really good ones that can do both jobs. Like it's 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 just a reality, Jim. That you know there there are a bunch of linebackers out there who can stuff the run. There are less linebackers who out there who can cover. But there are there are very very few out there that can do both at a high level. Roquan Smith for the Ravens probably being one of the one of the ones that kind of carry that mantle. Now Ryan Shazier carried that mantle when he was with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, you know up to up until his injury in 2017, and it's something that they they thought they might have with Devin Bush didn't work out. Um, and, and right now I don't think they have it. And a question I have to you, Jim, is this Omar Khan's big next move that he needs to make? And not that it's going to be grandiose or anything like that, but as far as finishing this roster, is it a must that he goes and gets another body and not a Nick Kwiatkowski as nice of a story as for the Bethel Park guy to come home, but a guy who is like a Deion Jones or a lot of people have talked about trading for Isaiah Simmons or signing Quan Alexander who they brought in for a visit. Is it is that the answer that you look for to be here, or is this kind of just a it's going to be what it's going to be with the linebackers? Man, that's more Joe Schobert stuff. You know, these guys mm. come in in August. For one, there's a reason they're still available. Right. For two, there's a lot of mental part of the uh, game to understand and grasp. And that's what Cole Hol- Holcomb's working on. I I I don't believe that. I wouldn't I wouldn't lean on that if they do make a move. I'd kind of be surprised. If they make a move, it would indicate to me that Holcomb's not going to be ready physically. Okay. And that, but otherwise, they don't want too many people getting in the way. Holcomb's got a lot to learn, and he's going to have a a lot of reps to partake in, and and so is Roberts. And uh, you know, then they got the special teamer Tanner Muse, and um, uh, Robinson got a lot of work in the spring. Um, Physical, fast, Mm -hmm. interesting. Uh, the guy who's really interesting to me is Nate Herbig. Uh, I know he's an outside linebacker, but he sure looks like an inside linebacker to me. Mm. I don't know he's what his like instincts one. are like in the middle. Yeah, he's built like one. Yeah, that's what I mean by looks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be able to I, – I have no idea what his instincts in the middle are like, and that's 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 90% of it inside mm-hmm. for those guys. But, you know, all his um, passion and um, instincts – as an outside linebacker at Wisconsin, tell me, and that's not going to help you this year. Right. You know, that's so, a down the line thing. Yeah. So, you know, uh, Keanu Neal is going to be uh, an underrated part of the answer to this question. I think Keanu Neal being an underrated part of the answer to this question. I think that's a, I think that's, that that's re- a reasonable take here because, you know, you look at their, their options. Again, I, I like, if Cole Holcomb's ready for the season opener, that that is, I like him and, and Roberts stuffing the run. Like I actually think the Steelers are going to do well at making sure people don't just run the ball and on the way they did sometimes last year. Uh, but I think the big question will be, and we've talked about it before in this show, you know, when it's third and and six, and that intermediate middle of the field is a pre, is a very prevalent place that offenses want to target. Who do you line up over the middle there? Because that's a third and six, those type of guys. That's where you can still run the ball and maybe maybe get the first down. And do you bring in Keanu Neal and hope that he can hold down the spot as a run defender? Or uh, and, and uh, if you don't bring in Keanu Neal, 
the the limitations that Holcomb or Roberts might give you at linebacker. I mean, you remember John Bostic back in 2018 yeah. when they brought him in. Start of the season as a run right. defender. Did it? Did his job was wonderful. And then there was that game against the Chargers where Keanu, uh, not Keanu Neal, uh, Keenan Allen was just ripping the Steelers apart, and he, he was just going right to the middle part of the field where the linebackers were in zone coverage, and they couldn't keep up with him. And then after that, a lot of teams started doing using that formula to break down that 2018 Steelers defense. And I just I wonder if what, what Mina Kimes has been getting at, and what something that I'm I think is a, it should be a concern for the Steelers if that could be the piece of the Steelers defense that prevents them from being an elite defense this year. Cause like we've been talking about, we like a lot of the talent in all, a lot of the other places. Well, you know, the secondary is full of talent, but mm. all new and the secondary is going to be, it uh, should be under the ma- under the microscope early in the year. Um, what, the, what are they going to do with Peterson? How are they going to move him around? That'll be interesting there. Uh, and and the uh, you know Joey Porter Jr. How, how's he going to do early? You know is, is he going to be able to press man in the NFL? I, I mean we we watched him in practice. Mm-hmm. He's, he's an impressive specimen. And you say man this guy and and you're like you're like, oh, don't worry this guy's got it. But you you know what his style is? Is that going to work in the NFL? Is he going to is he going to press these guys? Is he going to press Jamar Chase at the line? And if he misses, is he going to be able to run with them still? Probably not. But you know that's what Mink is for, I guess. But uh, anyway, there 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 are issues. There are issues. Um, but uh, it's it's still exciting. It's still um, I'm still optimistic. You know, we're picking out the one one flaw and uh, inside linebackers might not be that big of a deal. Maybe. Uh, We will see how that plays out. I want to get your thoughts, Jim, though, on how Mike Tomlin's kind of been carrying himself with with, with this team this year leading up to it, Uh, because there's some things that I think that might be tipping tipping a hand of how he really feels about the core that they're building here at the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll be back here on the Locked on Steelers podcast. Chris Carter, Jim Wetzel, stick with us. We'll be right back. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host with Chris, Chris Carter here with Jim Wexel from Twenty Four Seven Sports. Uh, Jim, when I see Mike Tomlin this year, maybe it's just me, but he seems a little more chipper this year. At least, and it's only been mini camp and OTAs. It's it's still, and he still has his his normal demeanor of he's not trying to hype up any other rookies. He still he hasn't changed who he is, but I get a sense from Mike Tomlin that he feels a little extra pep in his step this year because he has such a young crew. And because I think that there is a lot of potential with the young crew that he has, not just on the field, but also in the locker room. And that when you go in there, there isn't an Antonio Brown that you got to maneuver around. There isn't, you know, at least we don't see yet. There aren't, inner battles that are going to take over the locker room at times, or there aren't, there's not petty as many petty games as you, as as you, as you've seen in the past with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it it gives me the impression that it's like, 
does he feel like something's brewing here that might be special for the Steelers moving forward? Am I, am I barking up the wrong tree here, Jim? You've covered Tomlin his entire career. Do you see any difference here now or, or feel like he sees something different? I can't say I see any difference, but I can understand if he's more chipper and loves the underdog status that he has. Mm-hmm. He, he, I think he likes Kenny Pickett and he knows that people still have their questions about Kenny, which Mike believes he has the answers. Mike, Mike likes him. Uh, he, he likes, he likes his leadership. He likes his chemistry. Like you were talking about that locker room, you know, there are some guys, there are still jerks to the media, you know? Oh yeah. There's uh, that Chris that's, Boswell, that's, Chris Boswell. <laughs> I hope I never have to talk to him. I hope he makes all his kicks. So I never have to talk to him. I don't know what it is with people from Rice, man. I, I don't know. People from Rice, the whole 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 university of Rice got problems. Well, Vance McDonald was, mm. come on. You know, he was a pain in the ass, too. Excuse my language. Uh, you know, but the, the other guys that hate the media, Najee hates the media, but he loves his team. He's total team guy. He, he loves his coach. He loves yeah. ball. He just hates, well, me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's let's be real about that for a second. Let's talk about about Najee in the media because Najee came in and the first like three months, like he was so happy to talk. Every time he talked, he was just ah, like he would. I mean, well, we, we we would look forward to it. It was COVID Friday. too. It was a distance always. That is true. There was a different distance there because it was twenty twenty one. It was the first year that was like non uh, non like. The first spring they had the locker rooms open, I approached him because if you remember, remember DeMarvin Leal had that uh, yes. batted pick against Alabama mm-hmm. and Najee came from like 80 yards away to run him down and save a touchdown. Mm-hmm. It was a great hustle play by Najee. Okay. They just draft Leal and I want to get Najee's reaction to that play. Right. He looked at me like who you, he like, you just going to walk up to me in the locker room and ask me a question. <laughs> He was stunned. I, I, they must not do that in Alabama. They must not have had people in the locker room. I think that was the first time anyone walked up to him in a locker room. Hey, I mean, look, I, and he, he, the, he, didn't, he didn't want to have anything to do with me ever again. <laughs> well, I, I, I will say there's times not, Najee's turned me away. There was one time I went to ask Najee a question, and he was like, are you going to ask me about Taylor Swift's album? And I was like, what? And apparently someone asked him a, a joking question about Taylor Swift earlier that day, and he was just not having it. But he was very nice. He gave, gave me about like well, good like two minutes of talking time that time. But I, you know, you don't get me wrong. When he when he turns it on, he turns it on, and he he's usually on. he's usually on for you guys. I I don't know, man. Us old white guys. I don't think he likes us. <laughs> I think he. I think he's okay with you guys. But I do think he's he's past the honeymoon phase that he was in when he first got to Pittsburgh where like there were times you remember like Friday, he would come out and he would talk to us for like 15 minutes and just answer all our questions, joke around with us. Now he is just to the point. Well, he yeah. doesn't even come in a locker room now during media sessions. And neither he does Minka. Minka is never sour. Minka is just mm-hmm. quiet. Minka just pointed. He, he just doesn't want to do it. He's just yeah. focused on, he just, so he doesn't step into locker room. And I mean, those are the two guys. I mean, I'm complaining because it's personal, my job. It's, it's the and, job. Yeah. Fans don't, this is not AB. This is not Le'Veon. These are not right. guys going to be smoking dope before the game. It's not going to, they're not going to want the ball. They're not going to cry if they don't get the ball. I mean, these, these are, these are team players. So don't get me wrong on that regard. And that's all fans care about. Yeah. And, you know, when, when they get in the interviews, what, 
because players can go one on one with fans anymore. They don't even need us, right? right. It's true. They they don't. So, so you know, our time has come. Maybe. <laughs> well, no, but I do think that there is an element where you know there's the connection with the media, and then there's them them realizing, and it, it's kind of the demeanor that Tomlin's always had. Tomlin's answers our questions, but he he has a line. And he keeps the media outside. And I think that as players kind of get used to, to, to that, they are still very they're team centric because that's what he's about. And that's what you're talking about. Najee's big on studying tape. He's big on being there for yeah. his teammates and, yeah. and being supportive the same way Minka Fitzpatrick is. Right. And they may not be the most approachable sometimes when it comes to media stuff. They may not even make themselves approachable because they're not in the locker room at certain times. But Whereas that impacts you and me as as people that are in the locker room and got to do this as our, as our job, I think it doesn't take away from what they can be to a core that I think has a lot of guys that think at least on the team centric part of this uh, of this on the on the same line. Absolutely. That's who Cam Hayward is. That's who I think. That's who Kenny Pickett is. Is a guy who's very team first in that. And I think that that might be when we get back to we're getting back to my original point about Tomlin. I think he recognizes he has a lot of guys in the locker room that dictate that mentality and he doesn't have to, and, and he can trust enough of them to kind of make sure that the few that aren't that way play ball the way they want them to play ball. Well, there's, there's a couple of things. Um, when your best guys, when your best players and highest paid players are your hardest workers, mm-hmm. you know, that's Joe Green stuff. Yeah. And that's Cam Hayward. That's TJ Watt. Uh, Patrick. I, I, you know, I, I don't get to talk to Minka much, but I'm assuming that he's hardcore, hardworking leader. Uh, so, and, and then there's also the one, the, the one thing Tomlin likes to say, big guys who can run little guys who can hit. And they have mm-hmm. that too. Then there's the other cliche about um, having that three tiered mix of age. You got your old heads, you know, uh, uh, I almost called them iron head. Uh, Cam, uh, you know, Cam, uh, is there anybody else up in, in that uh, strata? Regardless, he carries, he is the wise sage who still can play. And then your medium guys, TJ, and and there's a bunch of guys like that. And then the young guys, it's a great mix. And they're, they're, they're bright and they're enthusiastic. It's a really good mix. Just, you know, Boswell better not miss a kick. <laughs> You don't want to have to talk to him. I feel you on that. I just, I think that that is what the Steelers have right now is that mix of guys who, uh, who, who won the tone setters at the front, who are the, the leaders, the bona fide leaders, the guys that get paid the most, they set the tone going on down and they have enough guys who are kind of like the lieutenants in the locker room who back that up. Uh, and, and also guys who are kind of like generals, but aren't necessarily generals on this team because they just got here. Like Patrick Peterson. I think that he's in a unique position oh, where absolutely. I forgot. He he's up there with cam in the mm-hmm. old heads that are just great team players. I, I'm right. really, I'm really, I know the Steelers don't usually sign free agents that old, but man, I love this signing. I think he's going to mean so much in that locker room. Uh, and uh, I feel like I interrupted you. You were, you were making a good point, but. Um, no, you're fine. Yeah. You're, you're saying what I'm saying. Yeah. Those guys. And you know what? It's not like, it's not like it was planned this way. It's not like, well, we need another guy to fit this leadership role and, it's just how it's happened. And I mm-hmm. and, and Tomlin has allowed it to happen just by letting each person be who he is. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, maybe they've gotten luckier in the draft. 
um, maybe um, they've taken a more concerted effort to find this kind of enthusiasm. I don't want to just say character. You know, I don't, I don't just want to say these are, these are choir boys, mm-hmm. but enthusiasm and love of game, passion for the game and competitiveness. I mean, they, these guys hate to lose. It's, you have all that bubbling. And I think that's where you're getting Tomlin's, if you're reading Tomlin correctly, and I, I, he looks the same to me, but uh, you know, I could understand that. I could understand his inner confidence and optimism. I don't want to say confidence as much as optimism because he knows he knows how the injury game works. He knows how mm-hmm. all of it can and cannot come together. But uh, he's he's probably probably loves his his team. I think he loves his team. And I think that I think he does, too. And I think that's what's going to make this year very interesting for the tone it sets, you know, when they and, and how do they react when they succeed, when they fail? How do they come together this year? All those, I think, are exciting elements that I think Mike Tomlin sees he gets to work with these guys who will help keep the right tone through the, the, the easy times and the hard times here in 2023. He's Jim Wexel, 247sports.com, and check out all of the books that he's authored on the Pittsburgh Steelers at jimwexel.com. Jim, thanks so much for, for, for joining the show. Let people know they can find you, follow you, get more of your work. Well, I hope I brought that wisdom, Chris, uh, but uh, <laughs> thanks did. for having me on your show, brother. Absolutely. Thanks again. He's Jim Wexel. Find him on Twitter at Jim Wexel. At Jim Wexel. You can find me on Twitter, Chris Carter, at Carter Critiques. You can find more work at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, where I cover Pitt Athletics. You can also find me on Channel 11 sometimes and right here on Locked on Steelers Podcast, Monday through Friday, favorite podcasting apps, and on YouTube. I'll be back tomorrow with Jenna Harner finishing up the week on your Pittsburgh Steelers right here on the Locked on Steelers Podcast. <laughs> 